Welcome to Passion Life Church. We are concluding this series that we've called Restoration. Everybody say Restoration. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Joel chapter 2, verse 23. And many people really don't know and understand this whole promise of restoration. It is a promise. And why is this so important? I think it's important because a lot of us have experienced loss in our life. To one degree or another, maybe it's a loss of opportunities. You know, the last two and a half years were tough for people. There was loss of opportunities. Some people lost jobs. Some people lost, and they felt like they've lost health, maybe even in relationships. But here's the great news. God is a God of better days. He's a God of restoration. I'm going to say it again. He's a God of restoration. And I want this series really to kind of shake us up and to to really challenge us so you can say, I'm no longer going to live with this loss. I'm no longer going to live with this sense of I'm lacking because of loss. God doesn't want us to live that way. Now, let's just be honest. Sometimes we experience loss in our lives because of our decisions. We make some bad decisions. Now, sometimes we experience loss because of other people's decisions. Come on, ladies, don't look at your husband. Come on. Right. And sometimes it's just the enemy that is coming and attacking us. And so he wants to come in and steal, kill in and destroy. And you say, Phil, well, how can God bring restoration in my life? How is he going to do it? Listen, here's what I've learned about God. The how is his responsibility. My responsibility is just to respond to his promise through faith. I want to say that again. I don't have to know how. He's the God of how. I just have to know who. And he will do it. And honestly, we have to let God define restoration for our life. Because it may mean something a little bit different for each and every one of us. But I want to tell you, we can get so in our heads sometimes that we we start to doubt and we get out of faith. I want to tell you, whatever God is going to do in your life, it goes way beyond what you can even comprehend anyway. He's a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can even ask, think, or imagine. And that's what he wants to do. And so I've entitled today, as we close out this series, Restoring the Years. Restoring the Years. I've asked you to turn to Joel chapter 2, verse 23. You know, in the book of Joel, Joel is addressing a people who just wanted to live their own way. And He's talking about the results of just living without God, living their own way. And because they decided to just live their own way and without God, they experienced some loss. They experienced some devastation. And Joel uses this this word picture of locusts coming in and devouring crops. In other words, like locusts coming in and just devouring people's lives. Have you found Joel chapter 2 verse 23? Let's read it. It says, be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice. Come on, somebody say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain. Somebody say former rain. Moderately. That word moderately in the Hebrew means this, righteously. How many of you know God is righteous? He's just. And so the Bible says, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, the latter rain in the first month. Say, everybody say first month. This is really important. This, this is really good. Verse 24. And the floor shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore 
to you the years that the locust had eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army, which I had sent to you. I wish they would have translated this right the way that it's really translated in Hebrew. It would have been translated. It would read this, the great army, which came among you, verse 26, and he shall eat in plenty and he shall be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord, your God that hath dwelt wondrously. Everybody say wondrously, wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. Oh, listen to this. And my people will never be ashamed. I think it's important that we understand who Joel is talking to. He's talking to people who they made a mistake. I think it's easy sometimes to believe for restoration for other people or when other people have done something to you and you're the victim. But what happens when you victimize yourself? What happens when it's your own bad decisions that have caused you to experience loss and devastation? And it's important that you know this because if you don't, you will disqualify yourself from restoration. And Joel is trying to make a point to say, listen, even if you were the one that made the wrong decisions, if you will repent, you can have restoration as well. You know, in Joel chapter one, it's all about repentance. Remember we said in the New Testament, the word repentance means metanoia. It means to change your mind. It's a change of mind that actually changes your actions. And here's what he says. He's saying, if you will repent, change your mind, change your mind about what you did, change your mind about God and see his goodness, then he starts to outline everything that God will do. Do you remember when we talked about Peter in part one, Peter talked about restoration, restoration. This promise is all through the Bible, but Peter said the same thing. It watch. He said, repent. And then what the times of refreshing will come. I want times of restoration. I want times of refreshing because I've lived with times of depression and I will choose refreshing over depression any day. But Refreshing just doesn't come without us changing our mind. And so when we repent and say, you know what, God, I'm sorry, I made the wrong decisions and I'm coming to you. He says, then this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to outline to you. I'm how I'm going to restore your life. Now, when I read this, I really got blessed because Joel makes this statement. He says, God wants to restore. Listen to this. The years. the years. And I thought, how detailed is God? Because that is a span of time. And for some of us, something that we said, something we did, a decision that we make could have happened one day, but then the devastation went from a day to a week to a month. And then for some people, it goes into years. And I thought about, you know, God is actually keeping time of our devastation. Hear me. For you, it may have been just a day and you're upset and you're like, okay, I'm mad. I'm moving forward and all this stuff. And God's like, hold on, wait, you've been devastated for a year. For some of you, it's been two years. It's the span of time. But watch this. I really got blessed because I was like, wow, think about the scope of God's power. God can restore not just day, not a month, but he can actually restore everything that you lost in the years, in the years. And I thought about how sometimes I have overlooked stuff that I've lost because sometimes we just, we just kind of move forward. It's like, ah, okay, whatever. And God's like, no, you lost it. I can restore it. If you'll believe that 
You know, the other day in this message, a lot of people haven't heard something or a message about restoration in this promise. And I think we can just go through life and we just think about, uh, somebody told me last week, you know, when you're talking about restoring, you're like, I was sitting in church and during worship, my, my leg was really hurting. And then when you were talking about how God can restore, I said to myself, you know what? I'm tired of this. See, sometimes we just go like this. Well, my, my leg hurts. I'm getting old. So I guess just, you know, that that's just the way it is. No, that's not just the way it is. Jesus didn't die. So you could just say that's the way it is. Jesus died so you can be restored and in health, whether you're 40 years old, 60 years old, or 70 years old, this promise applies to all of us, but you can't just let it pass you by. You got to take hold of it and say, Hey, I'm believing for this. And he said, this is what he said. He said, when I said, I'm tired of this, I want restoration. Guess what happened? His leg felt better. You can walk through life with the limp if you want to. And you know what? God's not going to stop you. He's going to tell you, here's the promises. Because this is what people think, God, Phil, why doesn't God just intervene? He wants to intervene. That's why he says, repent. Come on. I want to refresh you. I want to restore you. But you got to change your mind. And I think as we get older, we think about that a lot. Well, I'm just getting old. So that's just how my body is. You know, that's just what the doctor says. All my friends have pain. You got to believe in this promise. And he's talking to people who have made a decision, a bad decision, and now they're paying for the consequences and they've had lost. For some of them, it's been years. And here's the great news we don't have to live with devastation anymore. I don't want to minimize loss because I've had it, some of you've had it. I want to tell you, God doesn't want you to live like you're lacking. God doesn't want you to live with loss. And so here's what Joel does. He gives us this word picture of locusts. And he actually gives us a detailed summary of the stages of loss, which I thought was really, really interesting because the locust represents a day or a time or a season of destruction. Can I ask you a question? How many have ever been through a season like that? Anybody been through a season of loss? Grieving. So what he, he does is that he starts to talk about the stages of locusts. I'm not a big bug person. I hate bugs. I'm going to be honest. Anybody say a witness? Can I get a witness? You hate bugs. I just do not like bugs. My sister-in-law loves bugs, so I stay away from her. I love her at a distance. But um, so I'm not a big like, hey, I know about locusts. So I'm like, okay, I got to find out about locusts because Joel's talking about locusts. It's interesting about locusts because when they come in, they devour everything. It's like the devil. There's stages. Steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your life. But what he starts with, he starts with stealing. And so locusts come in. They can actually eat their whole entire body weight in plants every day. So when you talk about a swarm of locusts, you're talking about 80 million locusts, and they can span about 40 miles long. 40 miles long. And they come in. They appear suddenly. And they disappear suddenly, and then they look chaotic. However, they're well organized, and when they're gone, they appear suddenly, it's gone, everything is devastated. And so there's three stages that Joel points out that cause loss or devastation. Now, here's the thing even right now, as I'm talking, you may be experiencing some of this devastation. He talks about the canker worm. The canker worm is the young locust. It's called the creeping. It's at a creeping stage. It's not flying yet. It's just young. But here's, here's the thing. Just because it's not flying yet, it eats really small. It's a small, devastating. It's eating 
little by little. And then he talks about the caterpillar when it grows up. It's the next stage of the locust development. It's bigger. It moves quicker, eats more, consumes more, and then the destruction increases. increases. It takes more. Then he uses this word, the palma worm. It's a gnawing locust. I wonder how many of us would be honest enough to say we have some gnawing going on in our life. What do I mean by that? Guilt is gnawing at you. It's the guilt, right? It's the regret. Man, I made that decision. Man, or it's the loss. It's just gnawing at you. That's what the locust does. The locust, it just gnaws at you. And maybe it's not at its full adult stage, but it just keeps gnawing. Let me say it this way. It's annoying. And it just keeps going. It, keeps, it just keeps going. I don't know about you, but I hate the locust. I hate that. And my church family, listen, we cannot be passive when it comes to the enemy. We can't be passive when it comes to the locust. We have to stand up against the locust and we have to believe for recover. We have to believe, right, for re- uh, 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 restoration. We have to submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee. I don't want to have another day with the locust. Let me try that again. I don't want to have another day with the locust. Now, here's the great news. God has given you a promise. What are you going to do with this promise? He says that he can restore everything, all the years that the locusts have taken. That's a big promise. So as I break this down, you're going to have a decision to make. You can either stay in your problem or you can believe God's promise. Because this one is a big one. When I was reading, I was like, wow, this is good and true. It's not too good to be true. It's good and true. And this is what God wants to do. Even though I was bad, he is still good. Come on, can I hear a better amen than that? So he says this, verse 23, God will use, will cause the rain to come and the formal rain and the latter rain in the first month. Everybody say the first month. So rain in the Bible can be used literally and figuratively rain water coming down from the sky. Like we would know, like it's been, come on somebody, how many, it's been like raining for like four weeks. I'm like, Lord, should we build an ark? Like, no, I remember the rainbow says that you're not going to flood the earth, but then it also can be used figuratively. It represents blessing and joy. He says in verse 25, I will restore to you, 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 that's a personal pronoun. He says, you come on, say, I have to make it personal. Come on, say, I have to make it personal. Listen, even if somebody else in my life doesn't want restoration, I got to make it personal. I'm not going to feel bad if I want restoration and they don't. I got to make it personal. If they're not going to take advantage of the promise of God, I'm going to take advantage of the promise of God. It's personal. Come on, say it again. It's personal. He says, I will restore to you the years. Now, this word restore in the Hebrew means this. Watch. To cause to be completed to cause to be completed. Why is that important? Because when you experience any type of loss, you feel like you're incomplete and lacking. But when he restores you, you are completed like if you lost nothing. Restore to be completed, not lacking. Watch this, to finish. 
Pastor Phil, you don't understand. I've lost so much. I know. But aren't you glad that God is going to finish what he started in you? And there's nothing that you have lost that he can't bring back into your life and complete you so you can finish what he's placed inside you. Can I hear a good amen today? God will complete what he started in you. It means this, this word restore to be repaid, to be repaid. Now look at, look at what happens when Joel says repent and then the rain is coming. And here's what the results of the rain are. Blessing and joy. You know, wine in the Bible represents joy. I think it's funny because when we talk about Jesus turning water into wine, like, why, why is that such a big deal? Do you know that miracle all Jesus did was he restored joy to the party? Kind of changes your idea of what he is, right? Because he knew the bride and groom, he didn't want them to be lacking. So you know what he did? They're running out of wine. So he turns the water and the wine just to keep the party going. Just so there's joy. Come on, everybody say joy. Come on, can you say it again? Joy. And here's the reality. We need joy, especially when there's been guilt, especially, come on, when there's been grieving, we need joy. And so when the rain comes, joy comes because he's giving us a picture of a farmer. He's giving us a picture of a farmer who's lost all of his crops. But what good does it do if you start getting your crops back, but you don't have any joy? What good is if you start getting repaid, but you don't have any joy? So he says, when the rain comes, here's what you're going to have. You're going to have blessing and joy. And I love this because God will replace anything that the locust has ate. How many of you know he gives us beauty for ashes? The Bible says he gives us the oil of joy for mourning. He'll give you joy for the tears that you've shed. This is what he does. The Bible says this, your floor will be full with wheat. What does that word full mean? It means you're not going to be lacking. I know you were lacking before because you have loss, but when the rain comes, there's no more lacking. How many of you want to be a people of God that aren't lacking? Four of you. Great. The rest of you, God bless you. I can't even say that because you don't want his blessing if you don't. I said, how many of you don't want to live like you're lacking? He says, your vats will be overflowing with oil and wine. What is oil? I was thinking about oil is obviously represents the Holy Spirit, but it, in, in the old times, it represented ingredients that they needed to make what they needed to make. In other words, God's going to give you the ingredients that you need to be complete and to do what you need to do. That's great news. And my church family, this should expand our, our, our thinking because here's how we see restoration. I think sometimes we think this way. We think I had a loss. It's a one-time event. So we think God can restore me from that one-time event. Yes, he can. He can bring healing. He can bring wholeness. He will do it. Come on, somebody say he will do it. And then we stop right there. And yet God promises more. I wonder what the lost years are for you. The Bible talks about lost years of fruitfulness, years of lovelessness, years that were misdirected. And so here's what he says. I think this is so good. He says, I am going to restore the former and the latter in the same month. So listen. He restores the former and the latter 
at the same time. It's a simultaneous miracle that he does in your life. You know what I love about that? You may have been grieving for years, but simultaneously God can bring everything you lost into your present so you can still have your future that he has for you all at the same time. God can erase your past and have your, your future materialized so you don't miss a beat. See, I think that's the part of loss. We feel like we're never going to get to where we need to get to. But I like to say it this way. When God restores, here's what he does. He takes what could have been and makes it what it should be because that's part of the loss. Well, it could have been this. You know, look what our church could have been, right? If COVID didn't happen, look at my life, what it could have been. Well, the power of restoration takes what could have been and makes it what it should be all in the same month. He says that God can do that spontaneously. So I don't have to live with a shoulda, woulda, coulda. God can make it happen. I think that's what he's doing in April for us. Thank you. Somebody said, I received that. And that's what we have to do. We just have to receive it. But we get so bent out of shape because we think this will never happen again. No, God can bring new fruit into the vineyard. Come on, somebody. He can restore everything that we have lost. But my church family, let's not have more faith in what the locust can do and the locust devastation than God's restoration. Let's have more faith in God's restoration and his power. So how does God restore the years? Here's number two. God restores the fruit of the lost years. So number one, what he does is he restores the former and the latter at the same time. He can make it all and bring it all happen. But then he restores the fruit of those lost years. Let me give you an example. I know you're not farmers, but this is the illustration that the Bible gives us, but I think you can understand and you can apply it to your situation. You lost four crops, right? In four years, that's a huge loss. So guess what? The weather comes, right? And you made a decision. I'm going to believe God. You repent. Here's what happens. The rain starts to come and you're like, yes, I'm back in business. So what happens, right? You're like, I'm back in business. That's restoration. Wait, no, God always restores more than you had before. Always, always, always. So you're like, I lost four crops. Yes, I get four crops. No, God says he's going to do the former and the latter in the same time. He's going to bring it all together for you. So all the fruit that you've lost is going to come back into your life and it's going to merge with everything that you need for your future. Come on. I think this is good news and it's all going to happen at the same time. And then the Bible says this, he says, listen to these words. He says, I will, I will restore. See, I think sometimes with us, we think, you know, God, I know God can, I know can, I know he can. Even with healing, a lot of people are like, I know he can. But the question is, will he? The question becomes, will he? Do you know there's times where Jesus was asked that about healing? Would you heal me? He says, I will. Why? So we don't doubt the willingness of God to be able to do it. He can do it, and he's willing to restore. Not only can he restore, but he's willing to do it. Here's my question. Are you willing to receive it? Or are you going to stay stuck in what you've lost? Or are you going to stay stuck in devastation? Devastation, restoration, you get to choose. 
I don't know about you, but I've been grieving and I've had loss for way too long. I'm ready for the, rev, the restoration that God has for me in my life. How about you? I said, how about you? So, you, you know, there's another way that God restores to our life. He makes the enemy repay what he's stolen. Here's the scripture. Are you ready? Proverbs 6, verse 30, it says, people do not despise, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, who's the thief, right? It says when he is found, he will restore how many? Come on, say it loud. How many? Sevenfold. So I don't just get back what he stole. I get it times seven. Times seven. Now, here's the promise. It's coming at you. You can stand on this and say, devil, you have to return what you stole. That means opportunities that were stolen from you, finances that were stolen from your business. Come on, somebody. He has to repay. Or you can just live like you want to live. I don't know. I want to step into this. I think this is how he, he restores to our life. We have to claim this by putting our faith in God's promise. Listen, reclaiming this and reclaiming the stuff that God wants you to have is not retreating. So many people in loss, they just retreat. Many people after loss, they feel defeated and they go into like flight mode instead of fight mode. Come on, somebody. I want to fight for this. If God says I can have it, where's my stuff? It's in the hand of the enemy. Guess what? He's got to let it go in Jesus' name. Come on, say that with me. Say, let it go in Jesus' name. Come on, say it loud. Say, let it go in Jesus' name. Notice I ain't smiling. Let it go, devil. Let it go. No, let it go in Jesus' name. You can't take my stuff. See, this is how, oh, man, I don't know if I should say this. Should I say it? I should say it. I think this is how stupid the devil is. But now I realize how smart he is too because he takes stuff, but there's many Christians that don't know the promises of God, so he keeps their stuff. I don't want him keeping my stuff. Thank God you come to a good church that's talking about the promises of God and what God wants to do in your life that you don't have to live the same way that God can restore in your life. Are you getting something out of this today? See, I'm a little bit passionate because I lost a lot. Maybe you didn't lose that much. I lost a lot. So I got a lot coming back. So maybe some like, yeah, I just lost my puppy. Yeah, that's all right. But for me, it's not that. There's more things. And it's mine. Because God gave it to me. And he can't steal it. Come on, say you're not going to steal from me anymore. In Jesus' name. I'm going to reclaim it. Can I ask you a question today as we begin to close? How many of you believe a preacher when he says we're going to begin to close? Anybody? (laughs) I wonder what the devil has stolen from you. Did you get laid off from a job? Maybe unjustly? Was it a relationship? What about your health? What has he stolen from you? What about finances? What about your, how are your finances? What has he stolen? Is it something physical? Can I ask you a question? Do you want your health back? Do you want your finances back? Come on. Do you want opportunities back? My church family, he can do it. 
and he will do it. And he'll cause it to rain on your life, the former and the latter in the same month. And I'm believing that April is that month for you and for me. Come on, if you believe that, would you give the Lord a good round of applause? Come on, God wants us to storm into the devil's camp like David. We read about last week and reclaim what's rightfully. It's time to get our stuff back. Here's the last one for today. The greater the loss, when we talk about restoration, the greater the loss, the greater the restoration. Verse 26, I hope that you highlight this in your Bible. I hope you take a picture of this screen. It says this, it says, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. See, I don't know what satisfies you, but I don't know what satisfies me. Do you remember the miracle of the 5,000? Jesus blessed that five loaves and, and what was it? Five loaves and two fishes. He blessed it. The Bible says that all 5,000, that was men. They weren't counting women and children. So there could have been about 15,000 people. Listen, the Bible says they all ate till they were satisfied. And when they were satisfied, it kept multiplying for 12 baskets over. We have a God of overflow. We have a God of more than enough. He's not the God of stingy. He's the God of giving and generosity and blessing and joy. Can I hear a good amen today? I think about that little boy who gave his lunch to Jesus. After he saw that, he probably went back home and he says, wait, I got more food for you, Jesus. I got more food for you here. Multiply this. That's what happens when we put it in his hand. He says, Joel says, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And it says this, and praise the name of the Lord that had dealt with you wondrously. And my people shall never be ashamed. Now, I like to look at words. I'm going to end this with just these, these last words. I broke down all these words. Satisfies means to be filled in the Hebrew. It means to have much, to enjoy his presence. Can I ask you a question? Why does God want your life to be overflowing? You know, when we talk about giving, I hear so many people say, I have enough for me. I'm good. That's pretty stingy, isn't it? Just enough for you. God wants your life to overflow so you can be generous on different occasions and your life is spilling over on other people. That when you're, you know, eating today and having lunch that you can point to the table behind you and say, I'm going to pay for them. That we're not just buying coffee for ourselves, but we can buy for some other person. That God can bless you with a car that's so nice that you can fill people with it to bring them to church. My church family, this isn't just about me. Oh, I have enough for myself. This is a God of overflow that talks about our barns being so full that they are, are breaking open. When the fish came into Peter's nets, they were overflowing. Why? Because it's not just about us. And that's tough for people who have been grieving and have lost because you tend to hold on to everything because you don't want to lose anymore. I know I grew up poor, really poor. We went to Kentucky Fried Chicken and we licked other people's fingers. We were that poor. We were poor. We didn't even have the O-R. It was just P-O, poor. I didn't want to give anything to anybody. But then when I realized how generous God was to me, when I was so bad, he was still good. He forgave me of all my sins and he loved me with a love that I've never experienced in my life. How could I be so stingy with such a generous God?
And he says this, you'll be satisfied. So that means when you give stuff away, it doesn't take away from you and your satisfaction. You can give. And then it says you'll eat in plenty. It means eat up space, lay claim to space. I put in here new territory, new territory for our church. Listen, my church family, whether you believe it or not, through this direct TV and all this stuff, we're going into new territory. Some of these satellites that we're going to be on go into Afghanistan. and It's new territory. Come on, somebody. So we can just sit here and go, man, COVID was horrible for the church. Or we can say we're going to take new territory. Come on, God is restoring. He's, we're going to eat in plenty. We're going to take up space. We're going to take stuff away from the devil. Come on. Then he says he's dealt wondrously with you. This means he's done something extraordinary. I love this part. And you'll never be ashamed. In other words, you can look forward and backward and you won't be disgraced. You won't be found guilty. God removes the shame of the decisions that you've made. And he wants you to step into restoration. I'm going to say this and I'm going to end here. There's a key, though. There's a truth that we need to be able to get. He says this to his people. Joel reads this out. He says, but I want you to rejoice in the Lord. I talked about a lot of stuff. It's great. But my church family, let's not get off track. This is all about him and rejoicing in him. But watch this. He says to rejoice before you see the restoration. So we're not going to be walking like I'm waiting to be restored. I'm waiting to be restored. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm just waiting on that promise. I love what Isaiah 54 says, sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth with singing. So he's talking about people who are not able to have children. He says, I want you to sing before you see your children. In other words, that's an act of faith to be able to rejoice in the Lord even before I see the restoration. See what that is, my church family, that's faith that you say God is going to do what he's going to do. And I know it, but I'm going to rejoice in faith before I see it because that's what faith is. Faith believes before it sees. Anybody can and rejoice when the check shows up. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And you should, and you should give thanks, but it takes faith to give thanks for the five loaves and the two fishes when it doesn't meet the need. And you say, Lord, thank you. I thank you for this. Really what he was saying was grace over this. Thank you. And it multiplied. And so for us, we've got to rejoice before we see the restoration. And he says, if you will, if you will sing right before you see, guess what? It will happen to you. That is all faith. This is how we apply the promises of God to our life by faith. And so what can we rejoice in? We can rejoice in him. So even if this restoration doesn't look what I thought it would look like, even if this restoration is like, Pastor Phil, when is this coming? Let me just tell you, don't get your eyes off of him. Keep focusing on him. Let me just say this and then we're going to pray. I, I talk to so many people, pray for so many people for healing. But you know what? So many people take their eyes off Jesus and they put it on the healing. And they forget that he's the healer. Pastor Phil, I need deliverance. And so deliverance, deliverance, I know, but keep your eye on the deliverer. Pastor Phil, we're trying to have a kid. We're trying to have a baby. I know, but keep your eyes on him because what happens is we start to focus on the thing and I need a baby and I need a baby and I need a baby. That doesn't sound like rejoicing to me. I said, that doesn't sound like rejoicing to me. 
And so the focus becomes the thing that I want instead of him. This is why Joel closes. He says, listen, you need to rejoice in the Lord because he is the God of restoration. He is the one that will bring it all to pass. So when all this is happening, keep your eyes on him. Come on, can we give him a great round of applause? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.